Welcome to the Unrestricted Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Han, and our mission is to spend 15 minutes each week discussing your eating disorder recovery-related questions. Thank you so much for being here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi and welcome to this episode of the Unrestricted Podcast. This week, Emily and I are going to be answering the question, how do I recognise fear? And I think we wanted to answer this question because beyond the more obvious physical symptoms of fear, so for example, increased heart rate or maybe um, dilation of the pupils, those more overt ones, there are certainly some things that upon presentation of a fear stimuli, um we can kind of unknowingly experience but maybe not catch and I think it's really important in recovery to be able to just personally identify what fear looks like for you and all of the presentations of this um and I think one thing just to start by saying is that a lot of the time we look for logic when we are feeling scared and we look for kind of the reasons um, that our brain is generating this fear. But I think one just really important thing to just not lose sight of is that so much of the fear being produced is coming from the brain stem area, which is uh, that pre-literate area. So it doesn't need to explain itself with logic. And I think when we can really see this and see that it's not going to present in those typical ways, it's going to have um, other manifestations such as maybe anger, irritability or resistance. Um, it's, it's something that goes beyond something we can explain or kind of justify. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can understand the signs of fear, but it's very much a thing of getting to know the symptoms of it, how it presents for you. And this there's certainly shared experience with but it's also a personal thing so it's something to get curious about now something we talk a lot about in recovery is taking opposite actions you know feeling the fear and doing it anyway we talk a lot about the importance from a neural rewiring perspective of recognizing what scares you what irritates the eating sort of what brings up resistance what brings up fear and doing that thing find the fear and do it we talk a lot about that and I think the reason I wanted to cover this topic as well, I thought it was a good question that was sent through to us is because that's great. But then if I remember myself being this kind of person, I'd think, I don't know if I am scared. I'm not sure. Is this fear? Where is the fear? How is the? And I think it's a really, really valuable thing in recovery to get curious about all the different ways in which fear can present itself in terms of how you are feeling in that moment. And we can broadly break that down into fight, flight, and freeze, which are sort of the three key ways in which the body presents its stress response. And I think in terms of me starting there with that fight component, this is something that I learned to recognize, feelings of anger, feelings of frustration, feelings of snappiness, feelings of even like superiority, You know, these were all examples of, for me, fear coming to the surface in the form of that fight stress response. Yeah, absolutely. And very much the same with me. It was that real irritability. uh, And usually, uh, to be honest, at the people who were closest to me. Mm. So the people who not only um, environmentally were closest to me, but people who were 
um, my support network in my recovery, mm. that was where most of my anger was directed, unfortunately. And I think just a, a little a tip here, it might be appropriate to explain the sympathetic nervous system response to the mm. people around you, just so they can, um, I think, get a sense of what's happening when you are experiencing a fear reaction and perhaps so they don't take it personally and kind of um, say something maybe unhelpful just really try and frame what is going to happen or what is likely to happen when you push yourself to those limits that you kind of have to it's not a personal thing but it is uh, almost a well it is a biological response that you're experiencing there so yeah certainly the same experience um, I have with this idea of just anger being projected at the closest thing possible mm. and um, usually that can look like raising of the voice of course it can look like uh, using language which you otherwise might not and it's really about being compassionate in the aftermath to yourself uh, but also um, acknowledging that you don't want to be that person who is responding like that to a, a perceived threat that someone is trying to offer you to help you get better no absolutely and to to sort of add a little bit more depth into a couple of those ones that I spoke about there that link to this anger um, form of response or this um, fight response should I say the snappiness can be both verbal and also actions so for example I certainly remember times where some kind of thing changed in the environment or a comment was made to me or something happened and then I'd say right nope now I'm not, I was going to do this thing. And that thing would have been some kind of, you know, bold recovery action. Oh, I was going to do that thing, but now it's all ruined. And now I'm not. Doing... And um, that would be an example of where sort of almost snappiness coming forward in the actions. And then, like I said about this superiority thing. Now, this was something I, it took me a little bit of time to recognize that this was fear, but I would almost have this kind of I don't know. So superiority is the best way to describe it. This sort of oh, no, no, I don't like that. No, no, that's not for me. No, no, if I'm going to have something, then it's going to be this kind of chocolate. Oh, no, I don't like that. And that, no, that's horribly dry. I had these ones once from over here in this cafe down in this place. They were really delicious. They were really ha like that almost superiority coming forward. And, you know, say someone offers you something or say you are presented with an opportunity for opposite action taking. And then you recognize this kind of superiority defensiveness almost bubbling up to the surface I learned that that was definitely a example of my fear coming up and I had to use that then as my thing that I was like right okay I need to have the not ideal looking croissant and the chocolate that I supposedly don't really like as much as that other chocolate like I need to do these things um, and that was an example you know where we talk about walking into fear knowing how your fear shows up enables you to be able to do that yeah, no, for sure. And just as you were speaking there, it really reminded me of something um, that I realised myself with, um, and I don't know how to make this come across as not offensive, but just lots and lots of talking in justification. Um, when you were saying about all of these, all of these reasons down the road, there was this different um, thing, which was preferable. For me, even though I think the um, obvious fear response that we might think of is shutting down, actually I most often couldn't stop talking and in a way of almost trying to distract the other person out of what mm. was supposed to be happening mm -hmm. and I try and explain that a little bit more but let's say my mum would um, suggest for me to have um, yeah let, let's use a croissant as an example um, I would 
go on such a tangent and lead her down a, a country path with my descriptions of why that wasn't a good thing to be doing that I think I tried to almost mislead her or get her get her wrapped up in in all of the justifications that I was um, trying to to do to wiggle out of it and I was clearly squirming trying to really explain my uh, genuine reasons not to uh, and yeah that kind of just over talking was a real manifestation of, of fear mm-hmm. I think for me mm. no absolutely it's almost like the uh, yeah the distraction you know finding yourself using whether it's um, verbal or emotional or action-based distraction and also manipulation of situations that those can also be examples of how your fear is driving behavior to divert from the doing Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I think moving on to that kind of flight response um Mm -hmm. I think there is certainly the idea of just leaving the room escaping the situation and uh, getting yourself away proximity wise from the threat but also I think there can be that flight away from um, the situation by um, by deceit or by lying and that might sound like mm. a bit of a strange thing to say but I think if you can um, almost depart the uh, presence of it by meaning you are taking a step back from it I think it's it's a strange way to frame it as a as a flight thing but it's for me this idea of you are escaping the possibility of it happening and um by by putting distance between that i think um it it could be maybe categorized as that idea of fleeing yeah no no absolutely that and another way in which i recognize that the flight stress response the flight fear presentation showed up was in sort of overthinking and doubt Mm -hmm. so i would recognize that maybe i had you know connected with hunger and gone right I need to go and do that I'd go through now there are different things that factor into this there is the fact that your body is really hungry so it kind of wants all of the things and eating disorder present but I do think that that over complication of decision making that doubt that overwhelm that sort of washing machine style brain that in a way can be that more anxious state that we would associate with the flight fear response, that kind of heightened sense of anxiety, which can lead to the overwhelm, the overthinking, that, like I say, that washing machine brain. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that that kind of neatly leads into the, the kind of final um, fear response here, which is freeze, where it can feel as though you just simply don't know what to do. And there are so many things coming into your head at once. It is that... Um, that overthinking that goes on which leaves you unable to move or feeling as if you're unable to move either way and usually it's it's not that you are having one of these responses um in isolation sometimes or almost often Mm. it's actually a combination maybe you've given fight a go or maybe flight has um taken over and then it's this freeze response or maybe it's freeze primarily and then mm. you have that time to pause and think and then you engage in another of the freeze res- uh, another of the fear responses so mm. it really is something to try and understand what it actually might look like for you is it that you are stood in front of the cupboard and you don't know what to pick is it that words simply fail to come into your mind of, of what to respond I think it's going to be very individualized from person to person even situation to situation but most often perhaps don't just look for 
you being rooted to the ground and unable to move in isolation, what's happening around that, what's happened before or after, which could also be that indication and confirmation of fear. Yeah, no, no, completely. And we have to make space for the fact that it can present either all of these things we've spoken about can come singularly or in combination or something I often experienced was almost like a shifting through these three things we've spoken about. Like my, my immediate fear may come to the surface in snappiness, anger. You know, if my mum had suggested something, I might immediately sort of knee jerk snappiness, anger, maybe some superiority in there about not really liking that place. And actually they're much better options and it's far too warm for that kind of thing. Why would you make that suggestion? And whatever it might be, that anger coming. And then if she stood her ground and sort of said, oh, but, you know, this would be really good for your recovery, though. But, you know, this is the thing you need to be challenging. That might be where I would start to notice maybe the fear morphing into a flight style where I might suddenly find myself trying to talk around the situation. I might find myself sort of in a, a I, like a over analysis of it. I might start finding myself being drawn to distraction through oh well let's just go and get these done like oh but didn't we need to pop out to the post office and go and put that thing in are you sure we don't need to go and do that or oh but what about this and what about that that kind of flight response and then if there was still if I was like either for example in this situation say it was my mum and she then still didn't go no 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 but what about this this thing we should do this shouldn't we that might be then when I would recognize that freeze feeling and I think something that I recognized very much that often came alongside that freeze was a in, intense emotional vulnerability. It wouldn't be uncommon for me to feel like I was just frozen to the spot, like rabbit in the headlights, maybe not physically, but mentally, I just felt like, like rabbit in the headlights. And then off the back of that would come real emotional vulnerability. And I think that was something that I had to recognize as the kind of the fear, the different ways the fear was showing up, even just in one situation relating to one action and knowing that these are all indicators that you need to be doing the thing. All of this is just more and more evidence to show, you know, this is where you need to be. It is uncomfortable, but what you have to do is follow the fear. You have to use that fear as a marker and a bullseye for the thing you need to be doing. Yeah, certainly. I think, as always, Emily, I agree with absolutely everything you're saying. I think, in short, it is really just looking out for behaviour which maybe isn't so characteristic for you mm. and emotions which, um, on reflection or potentially even in advance sometimes if they've happened enough, you can um, foresee that they are just not... Um, they're not normal reactions to that type of thing. So let's say someone has offered, someone's offered you a sandwich and um, your reaction is that that person who is offering you that sandwich is a controlling X, Y, Z. I, I don't need to use a word, but, um, and, and suddenly you are perceiving that person to be a bad person. You're perceiving them to be a nasty person. You're perceiving them to be controlling and unfair. And then on reflection, maybe once the fear moment has, pa has passed you kind of don't have any of those associations of that person with those characteristics whatsoever it's when it spirals pretty quickly and those emotions get really kind of heightened um from from zero to 100 i think you've got to look at 
kind of this doesn't feel like me these these thoughts coming into my head these maybe judgments about this person how how the fear from the food is then being projected on something else where I think you do know yourself and you have to recognize that when you're not acting like yourself it's not because you are just um Jekyll and hiding it's because there's something deeper going on here and there's a there's a transition based on your brain's wish to escape the situation yeah, absolutely, 100%. And I feel like that's probably quite a good place for us to to wrap that question up today. Um, it's been really, really good to pick into that. And I really do encourage you listening to get, again, curious about how your fear is showing up. Know that as we started on today, it's not about logic. You know, actually, fear can sometimes be just a block, a feeling of, I just can't, I just don't see, I just can't, that block. It could be anger, it could be coming up in overwhelm or doubt, it could be coming up in a a drive to do something, a drive to get out, a drive to flee the situation. It could be coming up in recognising that you are manipulating a situation or trying to create distraction. It could come up in the form of emotional vulnerability or a freezing, a sort of rabbit in the headlight sensation. There's a lot of ways that fear can show up and I encourage you to get curious about how how yours is presenting to understand that you don't need to make sense of it what you need to do is use it to apply your opposite actions to march head first into the fear to feel the fear and to do it anyway absolutely couldn't agree more so i think as you say a, a perfect place to wrap it up and yeah. um just make sure that you're taking from this uh, as always um your own personalized and individualized um analysis to check in with your own recovery and, and see where that where that leads you in terms of being able to confront it and put it into action because after all that's what all of this is about putting what you recognize into action not just attaining the insights yes absolutely thank you so much to everybody for listening and we really look forward to speaking with you again next week thank bye. you very much for listening bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.